0: Welcome back for episode 30 in our study of the book of Revelation. This episode is called The War in Heaven. I'm Sam Bracken, your host. Our teacher is Dr. Breck England, who is teaching us about the book of Revelation by relating it to the Latter-day Saint Temple experience. In our last episode, John the Revelator divides the children of God into two groups, those who follow Christ into his temple and those who refuse to do so. The Lord sends two witnesses to preach the gospel to them but they are killed this is a pattern we see in every dispensation there are always two witnesses and the mob always rejects them that brings us to today's discussion on the war in heaven breck tell us about it
1: right in chapter 11 of revelation we read that disciples of christ find safety inside the temple while the outer court of the temple in Jerusalem is given to the Gentiles. And the holy city, they shall tread underfoot 42 months. Remember that. This is a pattern. It's a pattern throughout human history. It's not just one time thing. It happens again and again. And that's the whole idea behind dispensations. This is a pattern in human history, which we see repeated in the drama of the temple endowment. Think about this. Throughout the temple drama, the adversary is fighting to possess the souls of Adam and Eve. Isn't that right? Right. And the big conflict starts in the pre-mortal world, in the family council in heaven, which gets disrupted, right? Mm-hmm. And Lucifer objects to the father's plan. Mm-hmm. And his objections were very persuasive to about a third of our family members. And they walked out of heaven with him. Right. Well, John symbolizes this moment in the book of Revelation by referring to a constellation in the night sky. He says, quote, Behold a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. Well, The constellation he's talking about is called Hydra. It is most visible during the winter. It's a many-headed water snake uh, in the eyes of the ancient biologists. Hydra is the largest constellation in the sky. It's enormous. It extends across the sky for a 100 degrees. It has several reddish stars in it. Which to the ancient people signaled uh, evil and murder and those things. Hydra's heads, horns, and crowns symbolize his pretensions to vast powers. In Greek mythology, Hydra was the seven headed monster that was killed by Hercules. One scholar says that, quote, The image of the third of the stars being swept down by the dragon's tail can be understood as a reference to the sheer size of the constellation Hydra, which stretches over about one-third of the whole sky. So it's huge and very scary because the stars are red. Now, the third of the stars who followed Satan, they now fight against us. The book of Revelation says, quote, there was war in heaven. That's a famous quotation in chapter 12, verse 7. But now it's war on earth. Once Adam and Eve are in the mortal world, Satan keeps up the fight for the souls of Adam and Eve. But angels are always coming to counter each of his attempts with further light and knowledge. And when the seventh trumpet sounds, the conflict gets intense. Things get very bad. So
0: when Satan shows up in the temple to try and tempt Adam and Eve, this is what he's doing to
1: each of us. And the temptations get worse and worse. Exactly and- right. Yeah. That's why there are seven trumpets. The Lord gives Satan seven chances at us. You remember the um, symbolism of the, of the number seven. Right. It's the whole thing. We it's complete. We, get, we all get the whole test. Right. He, he sends, uh, gives Satan seven chances at you and me. Right. And, but he always sends two or three messengers to challenge him back. right? Right. right. So Adam and Eve are in the middle. That's us. Mm -hmm. Satan offers to Adam and Eve unlimited money and power, but the messengers from the Father, they offer them light and knowledge. It's an interesting choice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What do you think? How many people would choose light and knowledge over money and power? So I've thought about this
0: question quite a bit. And I'm like, why would you choose money and power over light and knowledge? Or and, vice versa. Or vice versa, right? So the first thing that came to my mind was ignorance. If you don't understand what light and knowledge brings you, it's much easier path to go with money and power. Because money and power gives you control. It gives you a sense of control. It gives you a sense of command. It it actually money and power takes away people to resist you so I was raised in Las Vegas right and uh, I learned early and young in this traumatic environment I grew up in uh, amongst poverty and abuse and drugs and all sorts of crazy activities if you had money you had power Mm -hmm. and everything was greased in Vegas like Mm -hmm. back in those days like anything you wanted if you had a hundred dollar bill you could get Mm -hmm. right and I used to see that it was so (laughs) tempting and you know I was I was Raised in the fringes of the mob, and a lot of my friends, their parents were mobsters and gangsters, and and I saw what money did, what it got them, and the benefit it got them. But I also noticed how shallow it left them. And if you really want power, light and knowledge is how you get power, right? But that that requires free will. If you if you have money and power, you almost can take away people's free will because they need money to f- survive, and they need to eat, and they need shelter, and so it, it's a trick. It's a huge trick. And I've had times in my life where I've went after money and power. I can tell you where I was a crazy workaholic. Like and I work hard now. I always do. But, um, but back then I'm like, if I could just get the status, if I could just get the promotion, if I could just make X amount of money, then I'd be happier. And it was like totally fleeting. It was a deception because what gives me happiness has more to do with empathy, compassion, generosity, living in the moment, keeping the commandments, being right with God, um, living your life to where you can act upon the promptings of the Holy Spirit, because that's such a critical thing. That's where the real wealth is. The real wealth and the glory of God is found in intelligence, in learning, in light, in meditation, and prayer, and in, in becoming a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. You want power? That's where you get it. But the world shouts and screams in every waking moment. It's all about money because money gives you power money gives you power so anyway those are my musings
1: on it <laughs> very useful Now you know there are a lot of even a lot of latter-day saints who struggle with that choice um between money and power on the one hand and light and knowledge on the other even though we know that the glory of god is intelligence we don't always value light and knowledge over money and power it's true So the real story of Revelation is what uh, William Faulkner called the problem of the human heart in conflict with itself. Mm. Satan may whisper, but he can only serve our desires. He can't control us. So the war in heaven Continues in our own hearts between gratifying our pride and vain ambition on the one hand, or light and knowledge and long suffering and love unfeigned on the other hand. Now, each one of us has to fight this war, which is symbolically represented in the temple as a conflict between Satan and the representatives of the Lord. But the real war is going on in the hearts of Adam and Eve, who represent each one of us and who have to choose.
0: Right. So the temple drama is all about whether we choose to follow Satan, to a tragedy, or to follow Christ into the celestial kingdom. Why would anyone choose to follow Satan? Well, I I have my own opinion about that, but what do you think? Let me tell you my observations. Kim and I have a lot of dear friends that have left the faith. And they were faithful members. They were faithful be- believers, true disciples. And what I've observed is, once people get to their basic needs being covered and 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 have some money, they think they did it, <laughs> <clears throat> and probably much of their effort probably did do it. But but then they start thinking, well, I did all this. Well, I got this house and I got this job and I paid this and I did that and and it's me. It's not the blessings of heaven or God, it's me. And then when they start doing that, then they're like, why don't we have all these constraints? You know, why can't I do what I want? Right. And then like flax and cords, mm. one question after another, after another, after another. And pretty soon they just abandon the faith and they attack it. Mm. They attack it as, um, uh, as, 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 ignorance. And I'm like, man, you want to talk about ignorance, <laughs> how you've allowed your, faith to erode over time because you think you're in charge of it all? That's amazing to me. So I don't think these people are following Satan. I think they're following their own lust and their own greed and their own temporal desires. And I think that's how Satan gets you. Because it's not necessarily you're worshiping Satan. You're just worshiping idols and things that take you toward him. And, and the benefits of following Father in heaven aren't always obvious. Because because when you when you have light and knowledge and you do the things that God asks you to do, you keep you're a covenant keeper, right? You're a disciple. It doesn't guarantee you're not going to suffer, no, of course, right? And and people that have money and power, they use it so they don't have to suffer as much. Right. And what they don't understand is that you're still going to suffer even with money and power. So you might as well do it on the on the on the side of the Lord because at least that'll get you something. <laughs> that, that that suffering will work to your reward in empathy and following the Savior. So I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, that's what came to me as we talked. I mean, absolutely makes sense.
1: Some people deliberately choose to walk right into a tragedy, tragic life. You know, I'm a literature guy, and all the great tragedies written by the great poets come to my mind, like uh, the Iliad and Hamlet and Macbeth. They all begin the same way, with the sin of envy.
0: Right. I want what you have. Right. Whether it's your wife or yes. your riches yes. or your house yeah. or your whatever. Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, um, in the ancient Greek theater, people torn between humility and pride, they choose either a tragic course ending in death and alienation or a course ending in family and marital joy. And it all starts with envy. You know, the, the Greeks had a wonderful word that we hear sometimes, hubris. Yeah, I've heard of it. Hubris means overweening pride and ambition. It's the exactly the same thing you were just talking about. I did it myself. I rely on myself. And I look around and I see you have something. Well, I want that, so you get out of the way. Um, ultimately... Other people become less and less important to you because you, uh, you're you uh, consumed with envy. If you think about it uh, in Scripture, Lucifer becomes Satan because he envies Jesus. Absolutely. He wants what Jesus has. He was jealous of him. Uh, he hated Jesus, and he still does. Cain was jealous of his brother, so he killed him. Right. Why? To get his stuff. He says, surely his flocks will fall into my hands. Okay, so he Mm -hmm. kills his brother for sheep, right? Jeez. Jeez. Okay. King David, he craved another man's wife. He did. And that led him into a terrible tragedy. Yeah. He had everything. He had everything and threw it away. Jeez. Most tragic of all were the wicked priests of Jerusalem who caused the death of Christ. And do you know what it says in the scriptures? For th- Why did they do that? In Matthew 27, it says, they did it for envy of him. Wow. I think that's really interesting. That is. The tragic choice rips eternal life from us and leaves us with the devil's rewards. Now, in, in, in William Faulkner's words, these are rewards, quote, not of love, but of lust, of victories without hope, and worst of all, without pity or compassion, unquote. It was a powerful description of tragedy. That's the tragedy of so many of our brothers and sisters who let envy and jealousy and greed destroy them. And they end up with hard hearts that don't feel love or charity. Sam, both you and I have seen this pattern, in the lives of people we know. Without naming any names, um, maybe you could tell us about some of those tragic people. Why do they make that choice?
0: I had a friend who lived the gospel, was a, went on a mission, was married in the temple, and he really struggled with some things. He had personal struggles because of traumatic childhood, and we related really, really well. And he just got tired of doing what was right. To me, the hardest commandment is to endure to the end. And I've seen, um, as Kim and I, we've been married 34 years and we've had really good friends and still have really good friends during that time. But we've had friends that have completely turned their lives upside down because it was just hard. (laughs) It was hard to keep the commandments all the time. To endure to the end is one of the most difficult commandments because Because you're going to have ups and downs and and living the gospel and keeping your covenants and following Christ and being like him, truly trying to live your life as a true disciple is not an easy path. People just get tired of doing it. And it doesn't doesn't keep you from having trials and and tragedy. You still have them. The difference is you endure them so much better when Christ is with you. When you have the Holy Spirit guiding you through the tragic circumstances and they lose the sensitivity to the spirit and they let themselves go to hell in a handbasket spiritually over time when they don't guard their testimony and they don't guard their actions and their thoughts and they don't meditate and ponder and work on their feelings and resolve them with the Holy Spirit, they just become subject to their own physiological whims and desires and that that sends them on a tragic path. You follow yourself and your own power or do you follow God in His power? Because Satan wants you to think it's all you. I pray. this is this, ironically, this is one of my prayers that I never get so full of myself that I abandon the faith that's made me successful in my life. I just won't do it. I, I've just had too many great blessings, too many great blessings. If you look at where I came from and where I'm at now, the only explanation is God's blessings in my life and me following the Savior. Mm-hmm. Nothing else makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but I mean, it's those very, are my thoughts, right?
1: very good answer. I know a few people who have uh, kind of backed away from the faith. And um one that I knew some years ago, I asked him one day, I said, um, or he asked me, actually. He said, how come you're still active in the church? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, said, well, I made some promises. I said, I'm sort of keeping yes, those. I <laughs> said, well, uh, I didn't know exactly how to answer him except to say that uh, I love the Lord and I want to serve him. And that brings me um, tremendous joy and satisfaction and happiness in my life. And uh, it also helps me through the tough times. And he said, well, he says, I just, uh, I just uh, don't believe it. And I'm backing away. And uh, I felt for him because he had sort of hardened his heart over time. And he became uh, what we used to call in high school, pretty juiced, that is, drunk. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he went for the, the alcohol.
0: And, Which um, soothes the pain. There's some pain yeah, that he's, there's, yeah. not a, there's an underlying pain. If you turn yeah. to drugs and alcohol, there's an underlying pain you're trying to resolve, yeah. you're trying to soothe, that you can't soothe with drugs um, and alcohol.
1: Uh, the last time I saw him, um, he was sort of wispy. Uh, he, he's my age, he's sort of wispy. He came up to me and he put his arm around me, he says, uh, a very loose lip, he says, I'm just an old drunk. And, I said, <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, yeah, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> but um what is he what has he lost is what the, the, in my heart i think what is he lost it's just tragic um, so i i don't see him very often i see him once every 10 years or so but so we know that satan he envied um, the glory of father and son right and that's what caused the war in heaven So envy is a killer. He proposed to redeem all mankind, that not one soul shall be lost. Not out of concern for his brothers and sisters, right? But in a bid for unlimited power. President J. Reuben Clark, who was a general authority when I was a kid, he once said, quote, Satan's plan required one of two things. Either the compulsion of the mind, the spirit, and the intelligence of man, or else saving men in sin, those are his two tools, right?
0: I want what I want, and <laughs> I and I don't want to have to pay
1: for it. Right, like
0: exactly. I, I want to do what I want to do, and I have no sacrifice, but I want all the blessing.
1: Right. And neither scheme can work because slavery, which is the one, and sin, which is the other, are, quote, contrary to the nature of happiness. So true. That's in Alma 41. Slavery and sin are the very definition of unhappiness. Wow. And I see my friend, um, you know, wallowing in alcoholism. Yeah. Well, he's no longer—he's a, he's a slave.
0: Yeah, he has no—he no longer has choice. his, no, his body's become so dependent yeah. on alcohol, he—he he has yeah, his he's, choice is gone. He's, he's a slave. He's chemically dependent on right. on the alcohol. Right.
1: Well, Satan's followers—they are unwilling to accept the principle that um, that sin is contrary to the nature of happiness. And that's just the way it is. That's that's a natural and eternal law. the universe. President Henry Eyring says, quote, those who lost the blessing of coming into mortality lacked sufficient trust in God to avoid eternal misery, unquote. They didn't trust that the father's plan would get them what they wanted, which was, quote, all that he had, right? right? All the father had. So could the father give them what they lusted after without Paying the price for it, like you say, I want what I want, and I don't want to pay for it. Well, he he couldn't. The father couldn't do that. It's not possible. Right. Even for him. So the war began, and it goes on.
0: So this is the big insight that I got today. The war, we always think of the war in heaven as something that happened in the prayer of life. We're smack dab in the middle of
1: it. That's true. So in our next episode, we will see what happens to the dragon. I
0: can't wait. (laughs) Okay.